Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. I am your host, Jada Sharice, and you are now tuned in to more to the story, the podcast, and show. (sighs) I just have to take a deep breath, y'all. You know, it's been so much going on in the world and different states across the country and our neighborhoods. And sometimes you just need to just, just breathe. I don't know. What's funny to me is, and I know I'm going to introduce my guests. You know, I love my guests and they are all so special. But I got to get this out really quick because it's it's just mind-boggling to me how everything is now, this is not right. You know, black lives actually do matter. We actually have to change this. And it's like, where y'all been all these years? Like, I don't know if it's because of the live videos and the body cameras, but it's been happening way before then. And not to mention the thousands and thousands of names and stories that we don't know about because it's been buried. It's been buried with their bodies. It has not been televised or on the news. It hasn't been talked about. Justice has not been served. So, yes, I'm feeling a little way. I'm feeling some kind of way. Um, Just a few weeks ago, during our work meeting, um, our all-staff meeting, actually, so it's everybody from the organization, somehow I was sitting there crying during the meeting. Never thought I would be crying during the meeting, but it's real. It's real what we are going through as Black people and we had the opportunity to just talk about how we're feeling. It's not many of us that's black in the organization, but it did feel good to have or to have the feeling that we could talk about how we are feeling and what we deal with at home. And honestly, just knowing that the white people that we work with, you really can't relate. You know, you don't know what to ask us or or what to say. We don't know what you're telling your family or what you're teaching your kids. We don't know if you're a part of the problem. So it's just a lot going on. Um, and I know I just kind of dive deep already. And typically I don't do this, but obviously I got a lot to say and a lot to talk about. But this is episode, episode 11. And I'm so excited. We're coming to an end with season two. I don't know how it flew by this fast, but I reached out to this guest because it's a special episode. This is like a special edition, and it's specifically for Juneteenth. So I'm so excited about that, and I've been seeing the videos and everything that's on social media, um, you know, getting ready for Juneteenth, and what y'all doing, and who got shirts, and it's just so nice to see, and I love my people. But anyway, enough about me and how I feel. I would like to bring my guest on so we can learn about her and what she does So please, please, Tammy, say hello to the audience. Hello, everyone. And Jada, thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thank you for wanting to come on and tell your story. It's so funny because I had recently liked your page and your business page. And then I went to your profile and I'm like, wait, we're friends. And then I started looking at your pictures and I'm like, wait, I know her. We met before. So mm-hmm. we actually met, what was it, at Truth Italian Restaurant, um, yeah. mm-hmm. the Chicago Blogger Meetup or something like that? Yep. Yep. So here we are now doing a podcast. And Tammy, you have your own podcast as well, right? What's that titled yes. and how can people tune in? Yes, it's um, History on Song. Uh, and we're on Facebook. So me and a gentleman, Frederick Murphy, 
Um, so we started in uh, September 2019, and we just talk about unsung um, men and women history that are not taught um, in schools. Ah, okay. That See, that makes me think here because I know in one of the prep questions, I talked about that history in school. And, okay, this is going to be good, y'all. So, Tammy, tell us who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Okay. So, um, again, my name is Tammy Gibson. Uh, my business is St. Copa Travel Her. And for the past 11 years, I have traveled throughout the United States and international, locating and documenting African-American historical sites. So um, I've been to historical homes such as Frederick Douglass, mm. W.E. Du Bois, Mary Anderson. Um, I have located uh, monuments and statues. Um, I've been to over 50 slave plantations, slept in 15 slave cabins. Oh, my God. Um, locating African-American uh, cemeteries and slave cemeteries. So my mission is to raise the awareness yeah. about African-American history because our history, you know, it's more than 28 days. Right. It's every day. Yes. So I'm sure right now, someone, so I'm sure right now an African-American is making history as we speak. So that has been my, my go-to. Okay. You know, black history is every month, is every single day. Come on, Tammy. I love it. And now just you guys from hearing what she does, who she is and why she does it. It's like this is exactly why I wanted her to be on episode 11 as we discuss African-American culture and, and history as well as Juneteenth. So, I mean, is this not perfect? So let's get in, get into all of this, all of the details. Um, so, Tammy, take us back, you know. How did all of this start? Did you just wake up one day and say, you know, I want to study African-American history? Or, you know, is this something in your family? How did you get started with this? And where is the first first place you traveled to? So actually, I started when I went to college because growing up, you know, black history was not taught to me. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in the suburbs and we... My family was the second African-American family in the neighborhood. Wow. So everything around me was just, you know, around white people. Um, so when I went away for college um, back in the 80s, you know, that was, you know, uh, Public Enemy, you know, EPMD, you know, mm -hmm. Fight the Power, Malcolm yeah. X. So <laughs> I would go to a party and I would be around some conscious brothers and sisters and they were talking about political things, you know, and Marcus Garvey. You know, I'm like, who is Marcus Garvey? Who are these people? So around, you know, play, either playing spades or dominoes you can hear some real good you know deep conversations right. so i would take notes and i would go back to my dorm and say who is this person who is this person so when i go back to the party i would understand what they're talking about mm. so that you know started my my quest um about african-american history so several years after i graduated i went back to school i went back to school at chicago state university and I got my degree in African American Studies. Hmm. So my first travel was going to Africa. Wow. And that was a study that yeah, and that was a study abroad with Chicago State, Howard okay. University, and Miles College. So it was uh two HBCUs and Chicago State is considered a you know predominantly black institution. Yeah. So we had that somewhat of HBCU. So going to Africa for the first time and getting off the plane and letting that Africa sun hit me in my face. <laughs> and then going down the, the stairs and touching my foot, touching the soil for the first time. Mm. You know, I, I'm seeing my classmates crying. 
I see them laying on the ground, just like I'm here. You know, I, I can't believe I'm here. And, oh my you know, God, I have chills right now. Right. And then our tour guide says, says to us, welcome home, my brothers and sisters. Wow. Tell us welcome. Tell us welcome home. So just being there for the first time and seeing the Sphinx and, and climbing the pyramid, going inside the pyramid, riding the camel. You know, jumping in the Nile, which I almost drowned. Uh-oh. In the Nile River, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute so, now. <laughs> right. You know, so that experience, because I never thought that I would, you know, go in Africa. I kept saying to myself, I'm going to Africa, I'm going to Africa. But this time I was here. So when I got back, that really said it was time for me to explore the world. Right. Because I, I view the world as a classroom. Mm-hmm. So after that, you know, I, I went to South Africa you know, I've been to the Gambia. You know, I've been to so many places. So my goal is to go to every country in Africa. I love it. I am here for it. When you started talking about just stepping off the plane and touching mm-hmm. the concrete, like my eyes immediately got watery and I had yeah. chills because. I know that has to be an experience. I know it has to be, you know, and I can't wait to feel those things. Africa is definitely, you know, on my list um, of places where I want to go. And not even just want, it's a desire, but it's also, I feel like it's it's necessary. It's a priority, you know, like we have yes. to go and visit where we come from, you know. Yes, and it's such an amazing experience. I tell people, don't, see, don't believe what you see on TV. You know, go there. I mean, it's going to be one of the most amazing experiences ever. Yeah. Would you say that trip um, has been your favorite that you've, you know, traveled to? And is there um, a certain place in Africa that is your favorite or most memorable? Well, it's hard to say, but I always go back to Egypt. That was my first trip. That I always, because they said, well, all the, you know, the countries you've been to, and ask which one's your favorite. And it's really hard to say, but I would just say that first trip there. Okay. Going to, you know, going to Egypt, that was just like the beginning of me keep going back. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to Rwanda, went to Zimbabwe, Tanzania, South Africa, Senegal, the Gambia, you know, and this year was supposed to go to Ethiopia. Yeah. With, uh, you know, the, the pandemic and everything, that's just, cancel you know that trip for the year so kind of bond but hopefully i'll be able to do that next year yeah wow this is just so amazing um and like you said being at at those parties and you hear these names and it's like well who is that person who is that person and it makes you feel like i should know this i should know this about my history as i was doing my research on you it was so many names that i didn't know or it was names that i learned in fifth and sixth grade that i can't even remember you know the history and story of it So I now have a list of homework for myself because how are you not educated, you know, with your history, with your culture? Um, So it's so important, like you said, to to know these things. And it's up to us to educate ourselves because obviously the schools are not teaching it um, outside of those 28 days, as I mentioned in the prep questions. Um, But we'll get into that. I did want to ask you, um, what did I want to ask? Oh, man, it was so good. Oh, no, I know. I was going to make a comment about um, South Africa. So I am, I'm an author, a writer, a blogger, 
I'm a speaker and a lot of my content is poetic, emotionally unfiltered and inspirational. So this guy reached out to me on Instagram and um, he has, he's over a ministry at his church, but he's located in South Africa. So he Mm -hmm. tells me, you know, um, you've come up a few times at our creative table during a meeting and I was hoping that you would share a few words of encouragement about healing and wholeness with my ministry. So I'm just like, now, wait a minute. How did he even find me? Is this real? So I went to his page, did some research and he's a speaker as well. Mm -hmm. Speed things up. We have been talking through um, WhatsApp. So literally he gave me topics to talk about with um, his ministry in South Africa. I record it, he share it with them and translates it to them. And then he sends me their responses and their language, but translates it for me. And mm-hmm. I think that is just so amazing. It's nobody but God that he even found me, you know, and God yeah. is spreading my gift to South Africa. And here I am trying mm-hmm. to find the confidence sometimes to actually write and create. Um, But that just Mm -hmm. rung a bell for me. I thought about South Africa. So shout out to all of my friends in South Africa that I've met through the app so far. Um, So, yeah. So that's South Africa. I know you mentioned all of the homes you visited, the plantations. Talk to me about that. Like, what did that feel like? I'm sure you were emotional, you know. Um, Just talk to us about that experience of sleeping in these homes and on these plantations. Yeah, it's a very um, eye-awakening experience. Um, I know people say, "What? Why do you go to these? You know, why do you sleep in slave quarters?" Uh, I've been to several, and some of these places um, don't want to tell the true story yeah. about the enslaved community. So my, you know, people go there for the oohs and the ahs. They go into the big house and they see these spiral stairwells. They see these pianos nice furniture, the chandeliers, and you'll hear all the oohs and ahs and the beauty, but you see these, these the big house that you'll see in Better Homes and Gardens, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll see the manicured lawns, you'll see 400-year-old oak trees, you'll see the azaleas, the lilies, I mean, it's just a picture perfect, but my mission is, is to see the ugliness, right? and that's behind the big house, mm-hmm. where men, women, children were kept, and I say, they, they didn't live there, they were kept. It's mm-hmm. a big difference. And sleeping in the slave quarters, um, you're laying on a wooden floor or a dirt floor, and you can't, it's complete darkness. And I just wonder how did our ancestors live like this, live wow. their whole life in bondage? Yeah. And, you know, my first experience, I was in tears, mm. you know, because it was uncomfortable. I didn't get any sleep. You know, I'm being bitten by mosquitoes, and I'm just saying, how? Why? So it's a very, you know, it just makes you think about, you know, where we, how far we've come. Right. And what our ancestors have, you know, blood that was shed, you know, their life was taken away for us to have the opportunities that we have. Yeah. So that's why I sleep in these slave quarters, just to say thank you. And some of the places I go to, I feel like my ancestors are calling me, mm-hmm. you know, come and tell our stories. I don't know their names, but I can lay there and pay homage to them and use the experience I have to go and educate others about right. the importance of these slave courts. Because a lot of these places, they want to destroy them, 
or they want to turn them into lavish bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. But those those slave quarters matter. Those stories of these enslaved community that lived there, that died there, that tried to escape, that got lynched, that got whipped, those cabins need to stay there. Yeah, that's deep. That's so deep. Um, your reason of why you lay there, you know, and paying um, homage to our ancestors. That's that's deep and it's real and it's heartfelt. I mean, I'm sure I would be in tears. I, I think I went to my very first time going to New Orleans. Um, I wanted to visit one of the plantations, but the tours were booked every time I tried. Um, so we ended up not doing it. So I haven't actually visited one before. But it's definitely on uh, my bucket list. And like you said, it's it's not the beauty of it. And it's not what, what you see. It's the things that we can't see anymore yes. because our ancestors aren't there. But we know the stories, you know. And that's what it's about. Right. And there's an experience that happened. I always tell the story. It was one night uh, we stayed in a, a, a plantation in South Carolina. And it was like about 1 o'clock in the morning. And we were on a campfire. And there was a coach bus and um, far in the distance in the big house, it was a party going on. So I think it was a reception because people get married on these plantations, right? Okay. So I'm hearing the song, Katy Perry. Uh, what's that song? Um, Fireworks. Yeah. I heard that all the way from the big house. And it just hit me thinking about my ancestors, you know, either around the campfire, thinking of ways to escape, Mm -hmm. Or they're sleeping in their quarters, trying to get some sleep to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, you know, to be in the cotton fields. Mm -hmm. But in the distance, there's a party going on, and here they are enslaved. Wow. And that just hit me, you know, and it was just like, the tears started flowing. Yeah. You know, immediately. <laughs> so those are just some of the, you know, some of the emotions I go, you know, I go through. So either I'm sleeping in a slave cabin. Or out if there's another plantation and an enslaved person slept in the kitchen, I'll go sleep in the kitchen. Or if they slept in the attic, you know, I'll sleep in the attic. Or if it's at the foot of the bed of a mistress and um, the husband, uh -huh. I will sleep at the foot of the bed. You know, just to you know honor my ancestors. Right. I love it. That's so so dope. Um, wow, that's so great. Now, let's talk about. Um, just how your journey or business has changed over the years. You know, you've been doing it for quite some time now. How has mm -hmm. your business and um, just your journey in general changed over the years? And what's been the most eye-opening for you, would you say? So what's changed is, at first, you know, I was just traveling. You know, I was just a solo traveler, you know, you know like a lot of people do. Yeah. But then when I would post things on Facebook, people was like, where's that at? You know, can you tell me more? So it was not my mission to do this, mm -hmm. you know. It was just me going on vacation, taking pictures out of this. So when people was like, oh, where's this at? Oh, can you post more? I was like, hey, I think I got something here. Right. You know, <laughs> right. So that's when I started, you know, well, let me start posting all these places I'm going to because my mission is to tell people these, these sacred places are here. Go to them. Mm -hmm. If you have a family vacation or you're having a family reunion, go to these places. These mm -hmm. places are here to be explored. Right. So that is my mission, and that's how I felt like my journey, and to turn from my journey 
into not like a business because this is my passion, mm-hmm. you know. So um, that's is something that I that I wanted to do as far as my journey over the years to keep educating people about the importance of of these historical landmarks, these historical sites for people to go to. And I think one of the most eye-opening experience for me and life-changing is when I shifted to uh, doing plantations and visiting sites where men and women and children were lynched. One of the eye-opening was James Byrd. Uh, 20 plus years ago, he was dragged to, from two to three miles by some white supremacists. It was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, his body parts were stretched over two to three miles. And I remember that vividly. Oh, my goodness. And going to Jasper, Texas, you know, to uh, to retrace those areas of James Byrd. And I remember I had went to the cemetery, you know, to go to his grave. And when I got there, people started coming out of their houses. And then I was like, okay, am I supposed to be here? And then an elder came to me, came to the gravesite, and I introduced myself and told him I was a child historian. He said, okay, well, you know, I didn't have no issues, but his gravesite has been vandalized several times. And when serious? they see anybody, yeah, so if they see anybody, well, probably white, they are on notice yeah. because the the cemetery is like in the middle of a neighborhood and there's no street lights mm-hmm. in that area so when it gets dark you know who knows who's over there vandal- vandalizing it yeah um you know so i talked to him for a while and then he told me the street that they drug james bird so as i got on that road it's completely gravel for two to three miles. So as I'm driving on this gravel road, I just started immediately crying. Just thinking of him being changed to the back of a pickup truck. Oh my goodness. And being drugged for two to three miles. And I'm thinking about my my father, my yeah. uncle, brother, cousin, friend. This this could have been them. Right. And it just immediately just brought me to tears of, of this man. And one thing he said to his friend his family who's gonna make jasper texas famous he's gonna put jasper texas on the map and he did put them on the map due to his gruesome murder right and yeah. after, ever since then i've been locating uh sites where uh our ancestors have been lynched uh-huh what roughly accused, uh, accused of being lynched wow See, that there is just more research to do, you know? Yeah. And so where was James, did you say? Where was he lynched? Oh, James Byrd? Yes. Well, he wasn't lynched, but it was considered a lynching. He being dragged two to three miles in Jasper, Texas. Jasper, Texas. Okay. Got it. Oh, my goodness. I definitely, I have to look into that. Um, Tammy, I see this all the time on commercials. Have you done the the um, ancestry DNA test, or is there another discovery route that you took? Because I'm thinking about doing it because I don't have any information. What do you yes. think about and that? Yes, I have did the ancestry, and I always tell people you can't just solely uh, depend on it. Yeah, it has to, you have to do a lot of oral history. Like you're gonna have to talk to your parents. If you still have your uh, your parents, you gotta go with your 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 grandparents. Uh huh. 
and it's oral. Oral. Everything has to be oral. Mm. Um, my mother has a book, a photo album of obituaries, which is very helpful because it has a lot of information on where they worked, uh, how many siblings they had, where they're buried at, oh. uh, where they worked at. So, you know, and I'm a historian of my family. And it's like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. You know, and it can be very frustrating where you feel like you just want to pull all your hair out. So, and then when you find that, that golden gem, you just run with it. Yeah. You know? So I have met family members through Ancestry. Uh-huh. And we've, you know, talked and we've exchanged photos wow. and information. You know, so that's amazing. But I tell people you can't solely just depend on ancestry. You know, uh, talk to your family. And it's important that you find a historian that's going to preserve all the photos, Bibles, uh, you know, obituaries, uh, uh, marriage marriage license, death certificates, birth Uh certificates. You have to find that one person that's going to be responsible of holding that information down to make sure that when something happens to that person, that it can go to the next family member. So that's very important. Right. That's so important and critical now that I think about it. I mean, I do have one person in my family that I, she has all the photos. She keeps them. She even does like comparisons like 10 years ago and then and now. And I just used to see it as, oh my gosh, she loved taking pictures. But really, Mm -hmm. it's like a keepsake for her, you know, and it Mm -hmm. will go a long, long way from generation to generation. So I never thought about how helpful it is what she's actually doing. So that's important. And I I would definitely encourage you to reach out to her and just say, you know, God forbid, you know, something happens. Can I, you know, can I get all that information? Because, you know. Uh, a lot of my friends that have found out that a lot of their family members threw a lot of stuff away, mm. a lot of documents away. So it's very important, you know, to find out, you know, where's all this stuff at. So if something happens, you can get that information. Yeah. And it's funny because her name is actually Tammy, spelled the same way oh, and really? everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Tammy, I'll be texting you, cousin. Um, okay, now can you talk to us about the lack of African American storytellers and why you think that is? How can we change this? And has it gotten better? You know, I was just doing research and I seen a lot of articles about the lack of African American mm-hmm. storytellers. So what's your take on that or do you have a perspective regarding that? Well, they're not hiring them. Mm. You know, an example, when I go to these plantations and you see a white person in the kitchen, it's like, uh, there are no white people working in the kitchen. You lost? <laughs> that wasn't your role? Right. Wow. Right. So, when I go, right, so when I go to these plantations, the majority of the storytellers that are telling the story of the enslaved community are not us. Mm. And I do have friends that are storytellers, and they quit working at some of these plantations because they want them to tone it down. You know, they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And some of my friends is like, well, I'm not, I, I quit. Because I'm not going to sugarcoat or whitewash. I'm going to tell the story. Exactly. Making them feel uncomfortable. Do you know how long we've been uncomfortable? Exactly. So it's not like, you know, the, it's the lack of because they're not hiring them. Yeah. And, you know, when, um, like George Washington, you know, um, when I go to these plantations, they'll tell me slaves were treated well. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, 
we didn't they weren't lashed you know we kept the families together um we let they were allowed to go allowed okay right they were allowed to go into town to the store or they were able to go to neighboring plantation and visit their family members so that's what i mean say when our slaves were treated well or when you go into plantation they'll call slave owners planters i didn't see no slave owners planting in the fields okay they'll or they'll call slaves workers they didn't get paid Mm. Or they'll call slave quarters duplexes. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you got know? you lost for words. Like, come on now. Right. So it's like when you go to these plantations, they try to make you know. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. White people feel comfortable because mm. they don't want to hear about slavery. They want to hear about the beauty of the big house, and wow. that's a problem. Wow! Wow! That's a big problem. Oh my goodness. And so I was like, I just spent $20 at a plantation, and, and, and I'm not getting the truth. So when I go to these plantations now, I ask them, how many were enslaved? Do you know their names? Where did they sleep at? Are the slave quarters still on the ground? Get so when I answer, So when I answer those questions, there's deflection, uh, there's nervousness, there's anger. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, here, I'm here to see the beauty, you know, but I'm here, I want to hear the whole story. Right. And so that's why it's important that these places, these historical places, get African-American storytellers to, to, to be employed there, but for them to tell the story the way it's supposed to be told, not to make people feel comfortable. I can't believe that they just totally <laughs> disregard. Oh, yeah. Disregard it, you know, yeah. come look at this house and... And these acres and, and the lilies and wow. Yeah. I and would be so disappointed if I didn't yeah. you know, went to a plantation. It's like I came here to learn about my people, my ancestors. You know, I want right. their story and what it was like and their names and how many. Right. And so if you go to Louisiana, before you go there, let me know because I can I can tell you where to go to. Okay. I would definitely tell to you. A lot of these places, yeah, because a lot of these plantations, you're going to be mad because you spent $20 uh, to hear a bunch of lies. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Well, yeah, I would definitely be reaching out to you. I think you mentioned when we first started talking that um, you teach African-American studies in, in school systems, or did you say that? No, actually, um, I uh, some people I know, good friends that work at schools, they invite me. Oh, okay. Right. And so they had me booked up for Black History Month, and, and yes. I go up to them. I see, you know, Black History is every day. Yeah. You know, so like so when February comes around, I'm completely booked for the whole month. And it gets to a point where I'm like exhausted and tired. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get schools to say, you know what, let's do it all year round. Mm. So they invite me to the schools, and I'll do like uh, I was at a high school early this year. I did a reenactment of an enslaved laundress. I showed them how the laundress made soap. I showed them how to wash. And, you know, the kids want to learn because they were like, okay, well, my teacher's not teaching this. Right. You know, so the kids want to know more about black history. And, you know, our history is more than Martin Luther King. It's more than Rosa Parks. Mm-hmm. Those are the safe spaces. You know, everybody's doing it about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other African-Americans have made history. So we need to expound our knowledge about other African-Americans and not just stick to the safe ones, Martha King, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. 
That's a word. The fact that you just said, and it, it's true. The fact that you said that those are safe spaces, you know, Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, we have to get uncomfortable if we want to see change or if we want to be honest and truthful. We have to get uncomfortable and talk about these things and address it and stop silencing them, you know, and not talking about it. Get out of this right. safe space because we can't grow where we're safe and where we're comfortable. Right, and I told my niece and my, and my nephews and my son, what are y'all doing for Black History Month? They know not to say Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, <laughs> or, you know, they know not to say that yeah. at all. I said, no, you're going to do so because everybody in the whole class is doing Martin Luther King. You're not going to do that. You're going to do something else. Right. My niece, she liked the story of the four little girls that were bombed in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm, my mom That's where does, she her And her teacher didn't know about the bombing. Mm, the teacher didn't know. The teacher didn't know. Wow. So how are you going to teach me about my history? I'm teaching the teacher. Yeah, so she wanted my niece to talk about the four little girls. Yeah. While everybody did Martin Luther King. I know, that's right. That's awesome. Speaking of Juneteenth, you know, um, let's get into Juneteenth as a as a storyteller, as a historian. What is your perspective of Juneteenth? And, and when you think of Juneteenth, you know, it's always, um, typically it's the 4th of July that symbolizes freedom. And then black people mm-hmm. is just like, no, no, no. <laughs> we wasn't free, you know, Juneteenth. Um, so talk to us about um, Juneteenth from a historian um, perspective, if you will. Yeah, so I, I'm excited. I can't wait to Juneteenth on Friday, so I'm really excited. So, you know, with Juneteenth, you know, Lincoln proclaimed that the emancipation of slaves was effective on January 1st, 1863. Uh-huh. So, slave owners were responsible for telling their slaves that they were free, but there were some of them that ignored that order because they wanted to get as much as they could, work they could have got from the slave before they found out. So, the Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to every state, so everybody think that Lincoln's free all the slaves so that did not apply to um to the border states like missouri kentucky delaware and maryland okay they were still part of the confederacy so lincoln exempted those border states because he didn't want to tempt them into joining the confederacy Mm -hmm. so on june 19 1865 general gordon granger informed the the city of galveston texas that President, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln freed American slaves. And that was two and, a year, two and a half years later. Okay. So for two and a half years, the enslaved in Galveston did not know they were free. Get out of here. So Texas was the last Confederate state to know. And if you go to the city of Galveston, Texas, there is a marker um, that will give you the full information about the history of, uh, of, of, the, of Juneteenth and the history of, of Galveston regarding slavery. So Juneteenth is celebrated with any type of educational activities for children, yeah. parades, concerts, beauty pageants, and also black rodeos. I love in it. Texas. Yes. Have you and experienced tr- that in Texas? I was supposed to go there this year. Oh, I've never been to a rodeo, out. but I wanted to go. Yes, yeah, so I've never been to a rodeo, but I wanted to go to a black rodeo. I've never been either. That just sounds amazing. Just all that blackness, just celebrating life 
and real, mm-hmm. you know, freedom together. I still say that we aren't free in America. Um, we're still fighting for freedom yes. and to breathe mm-hmm. and, you know, for equality. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's another yeah, story. Yeah, so one of the traditions of uh, Juneteenth is the color red. So the food has to be red. So barbecue. What? Red pop. But in in Texas, they call it soda. So red soda, red velvet cake. And so the red represents the blood that was shed. So on Juneteenth, every year, I'll buy some barbecue ribs. You know, I get some fries with some red sauce on it. Uh-huh. I have my red pop and I have my watermelon and red velvet cake. <laughs> I didn't so, know about the red color food. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Got it. Got it. So what are you doing this year? So this year due to p- the pandemic, yeah. um, I'm just going to do something with my family because my family really don't know about Juneteenth. So I said, look, I'm going to go buy me some barbecue ribs, get the velvet cake, get all the red, and I might do a couple of decorations of the red, black, and green balloons. So something, you know, you know, not a lot, but just something to my, you know, we can celebrate Juneteenth. Right. Um, probably watch, a, you know, a, 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 a educational documentary on black history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might go out and try to find some black historical sites just to go and take pictures, you know, so that's, you know, what I plan on doing for Juneteenth. Yeah. Got it. I'm still stuck on this black rodeo. Like, I just know this is mm-hmm. like a movie and such an experience. I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to experience that. Okay, um, so what's the next? Just, I mean, George Floyd, you know, yeah. Ahmad and Breonna Taylor. The crazy thing is I was just watching, it just popped up on my Instagram story as I was flicking through. And her mom was actually on The Breakfast Club talking about the day, you know, that she got the phone call from the boyfriend and she came over and the police was just giving her a runaround, and they tried to make it seem like somebody was after Brianna. You know, like, do you know what happened? Who would who would want to harm her? And at this point, she didn't know anything, you know. But looking back, it's like they had this whole cover-up as if it wasn't them who actually killed her. So just with all of that, with the protests and the looting, I mean, has your neighborhood been affected by the looting and um you know how have you been able to maintain your peace because it's been a lot to take in to see it every day i actually drove um in the city and like in south holland and so many streets were blocked off and expressway exits and everything was boarded up it's one thing to see it on the news but to actually see it in person is just like wow so just tell me, you know, your thoughts about the protest and the looting and how have you been affected and maintained your peace? Well, to be honest, it's been very depressing. Yeah. Uh, there were times where I just couldn't couldn't get out of the bed mm. because my heart was so heavy and I'm just tired and I'm fed up. Mm. I am. I mean, I have several projects that are due within a, in the next couple of weeks. I couldn't even do it. That's how drained, exhausted angry you know that i am yeah you know i'm a mother i'm a mother i have a son grandson and two nephews and i think about them and i can speak for several mothers out there that i worry about my son 
every single day. Yeah. Every single day. And this is this is this is what I do. You know, um, when my son goes out, where are you going? Mm. What time are you gonna be back? Right. Text me when you get home. This is every single day. I also check his uh his Facebook page. And the good thing about him, he's posting every single day. So before I go to bed, I check his timeline, see when's the last time he posts. Wow. If if I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I get on my phone and see when's the last time he t- he he put posted on his timeline. When I get up in the morning, I check his timeline mm-hmm. to see when's the last time he posted. I send him a text, and this is every single day. The fear that I have to okay, my son lived another day. Wow. I should I shouldn't have to go through that. I shouldn't have to do that every single day. Not at all. And it's very stressful. It really and the good thing about my son is that he doesn't go out a lot. You know, he 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 does anime, so he does a lot of commission work, he does a lot of drawing. So his work is at home. Uh-huh. But the times that he do go out, I'm on pins and needles. I'm on pins and needles. And when the times that he don't text me, are you okay? Mom, I'm okay. I'm sorry. I forgot to text you. And he's very good at responding or let me know where he's going and when he's coming home. But should I have to go through that every single day? Not at all. That's every single day. I mean, and that it's in itself is draining. It you, is. you have to do all of this just to make sure my child is alive because he's black. And he's a target yeah. for no reason. Yeah. So I have to make sure that every day he's breathing. Every day he's breathing. Every single day. And there was an incident that happened with my son that he um, he, he fell asleep behind the wheel and he crashed into a dumpster. And luckily he didn't hit anybody. Yeah. And when the, and when the police got there, oh, they just treated him like crap, right? Treated him like crap. When they got his license and found out his his, his record was crystal clear, no blemish. Are you okay? Can we take you to the hospital? Wow. You know? So they considered him a victim. They already considered him a criminal already because he was black. Mm-hmm. But when they ran his license and found that he had no arrest, no nothing, that's when he, they started being nice to him. That's crazy. That is crazy. I, um... It makes me think about Jamie Foxx. Um, I can't think of the movie with him and Michael B. Jordan. I just watched it recently. The name of the movie. Uh, But it was so good. And it it was real. Just when when they first met Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx in the movie, Jamie Foxx was saying, basically, you can't help me. I was born guilty. They don't have a story. And the only story that they do have is from the white man that made it up. And pretty much it's just you look like somebody that could kill someone or that would rob a house. You look like somebody that is capable of this. And I believe that's really how they think. Like just yeah. because of the color of our skin, you, you yeah. guilty. You got to be. And that's yeah, that's exactly. that's ridiculous. Right. And, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I don't dress like it because I'm not into materialistic things. But when yeah. I walk into a store, they always think, you know, looking at me like I'm stealing. They oh, ask me 10,000 times, can I help you? Right. You know what I'm saying? So it, 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 does, it doesn't matter. And I have a grandson that's 10 months old. And I'm looking into his innocent eyes. Oh. And it saddens me of what 
he is going to have to go through being a, a young black boy into a man. Right. Right, right. And I'm raising a seven-year-old, and it, I, you have to have these conversations. You know, yes. this is an innocent child. Don't know. Nothing is going on. But you mm-hmm. have to tell him things to look out for, and you'll understand when you get older. But listen to what we're saying right now. Like, what what are you telling your children? That's what we talked about in our all-staff meeting. Just... Yeah the white people you know what what are you telling your children what are you explaining to them what are you teaching them are y'all talking about it because it has to be discussed you know we can't just keep ignoring it because it makes you feel uncomfortable you know and you can't just read these articles and these books and think that that's going to educate you you have to talk to us. You have to be in conversation. You have to be engaged. And you have to be committed to wanting to learn, to wanting to know more. What can I do? What can I take to my white friends and my family members? Like, educate me. Exactly. It starts there. Well, Tammy, this has been amazing. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. So as we close out, yay, I'm glad you did too. As we close out, I wanted to know, like, are there some hidden gems in Chicago? Like, what are some um, some places you would recommend to visit in Chicago? Or, I mean, I don't know, maybe a, another state um, that is accessible and you feel like this would be a good place for you to visit or to go? Well, I'm going to start with in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, there are underground railroads mm-hmm. that people can go to. Okay. Um, there's one in Gurney, there's one in Lombard, and there's one in Oak Brook. So I definitely encourage to try to, you know, educate our children to go to these places, the underground railroad. Yes. As far as hidden gems, on 29th and Lakeshore Drive, um, 101 years ago, there was the 1919 race riot where Eugene Williams was, um, he crossed over Invisible Line because that, that beach was segregated. Mm. Um, and there was no buoys. He accidentally crossed through Invisible Line. Yep. And that sparked the 1919 race riot. So people pass by a rock that's on the, the, the bike trail and have no idea what that rock is. And there's a plaque on that rock. So that's a hidden gem. Get out. Um, yeah. And that's on 29th and Lakeshore Drive on a walking trail. Okay. Um, Quinn Chapel, um, that was, that's a black historical church. Um, it's on State Street. I forgot the guy. I think it's on 37th State Street. That was used as the Underground Railroad. So on Sundays, um, after church service is over, they do a tour. They take you downstairs and show you where the where the slaves, you know, they where they where they hid at. Yeah. Um, another one is the Ichi Nightclub. I don't know if you're familiar with the the uh, the club where uh, 21 uh, African Americans died. No. This was back in two thousand three. Was that um, when yeah. everybody was like rushing out or something? Yeah. Okay. The police they kept them in. They didn't open the door, so twenty one oh, people died. Yes. So if you go on twenty four twenty first and Lakeshore Drive, there's twenty one trees in their honor. And I know one of the I know one of the family members of the victims. They're trying to get a plaque. Um. So it's nothing there, but there's twenty one trees of the twenty one victims mm-hmm. that died at the E two nightclub. 
Wow. And and then also um, another a place I highly recommend everybody go to is the um, Lynching Memorial in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. And that is a uh, site where names of four thousand men, women, and children that were lynched. My goodness. And it's a very powerful, emotional um, place to go to. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend going there. Okay. Are there any favorite books that you have that you recommend to to learn about our history? So actually, there are so many, but I picked three that I'm reading right now. I'm going to three books. Okay. One of them is called Stars in the Sky. Okay. And it's about the story of, of the first African-American female flight attendant mm. for Delta Airlines. Okay. So that's a very powerful. She talks about the racism that she endured as a flight, att- a flight attendant being called the N-word, uh, being harassed. So it's called Stars in the Sky. Okay. The, next, the other book is called Chicken Bone, um, Chicken Bone Beach. And this is, was a black beach in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And it was called Chicken Bone Beach because when you walked on the beach, you saw chicken bones. Girl. So this was a great book. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have to look into Chicken Bone Beach. I have stars in the sky written down too. So what's your third pick? The last one is called Dear Senator. And it's about a white supremacist. His name is Strom Thurmond. Okay. He was ag- he was against um, integration. Mm. Um, he did a, he did a twenty four hour filibuster to keep you know to uh, that, uh, he did a twenty four filibuster uh, against integration. Wow! But he has a, he has a, he had a black daughter. Get out of here! It's called Dear Senator. And so he got his his maid pregnant and had a child. And um, the book is by the daughter. And she talked about her experience with her dad, Sean Thurman, who was a staunch segregationist. And um, talked about, you know, how, you know, it was a secret, you know, um, until when he died at 101 years old, that's when she came out and said that Sean Thurman was her father. Wow. Shout to everybody. Oh my goodness. So he paid for her, you know, financially, took care of her, but when she came to visit her father, it was just like, you know, hi, how you doing? Come on in. So it wasn't that mother, it wasn't that father daughter relationship. Right. And she did not want to out him. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't want to do that. But when he passed away, that's when she came out. And she did that because she wanted to let her grandchildren know. Mm. got it interesting okay now let's see um overall tammy you know what what would you say is um the change that you want to see in the world and or specifically in our community i want to see us bring back black wall street Yes, yes. You know, yes. we have to build back our our community with businesses. Mm-hmm. We need to build back our community with schools and churches. We need to beautify our community. We can do this. It's mm-hmm. not hard to do because we did it before. Right. It can be done. You know, we need to circulate our earned money back into our community. Mm-hmm. Because you don't see any other communities 
supporting us. Right. And I know since with the, the George Floyd murder, because that's what it is. Absolutely. Now people are supporting black business. Don't make this a moment. Make this permanent. Yep. We have to stop fighting one another, killing one another, and start coming together as one and love one another and build up our communities because we can't do it. No one else is not going to do it. We cannot expect other people to do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. Right. That's so powerful. It cannot be temporary. It can't be in the moment. This has to be permanent. And I created this video title, I Am, where I just reached out to a ton of my friends or followers and just asked them to participate in the video. And everyone said a different name. I am George Floyd. I am Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud. I am Trayvon Martin. Because we are, you know, just as black people, it could have been us. Any one of us, it could have been us. But also in the video, I tell white people you know, you say you see us and you hear us, but you don't experience it. You know, right. I mean, just the fact that somehow every white person, well, not every, most white people are so woke right now, you know, and mm-hmm. they're sympathetic and they're supporting us. But it can't just be temporary. We need this right. permanent, you know, keep this same energy when you don't see our stories on the news when the country isn't protesting like stand with us permanently right because because they can do so much that we can't do yep yeah they can't yep 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 well tammy before we go i just want to say thank you again for your time and just your energy and your knowledge and your perspectives like i truly enjoyed this conversation and I, I want to ask, um, you know, how can the audience reach you? Like your social media handles, um, your website, just give them the information they need to get in touch with you because I'm sure some people are going to want to visit after hearing um, this episode and they may have questions and they may want you as a guide. So how can they get in touch with you, Tammy? Absolutely. So um, you can, my website is Sankofa Travel Hub. Um, it's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-T-R-A-V-E-L-H-E-R dot com. And um, so Sankofa Travel Hub on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I do daily Black History Facts. Yes. Um, if I travel, you know, I always share um, my travels with everyone. So it's each one teach one. Yep. That's so true. And then I have, and then also I have the podcast History Unsung. Okay. uh, Where we talk to um, just unknown African Americans, um, also storytellers, unknown people that are doing things in the name of Black history. Love it. Love it. Please keep doing what you are doing. Um, We need you. So just keep sharing your knowledge and your stories. And thank you for going before us to get this understanding, to understand our history, to be able to teach it, you know, to the next mm-hmm. person you meet. So we appreciate you. Um, thank you again for your time. For all of those who are listening, thank you so much for your love and your support, for always tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As you know, Brokenness That Made Me Whole, my book is available on Amazon. It's available on Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. It's available at Walmart.com, Target.com, Apple Books, you name it. 
So I thank you for just um, continuing to support me. And I am working on book number two. I am working on book number three. So I need you guys to stay tuned. Until next time, because there is always, always more to the story.